Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Height Stats Podcast. Thanks for listening. This is episode number 10. There have been quite a few good players to wear number 10 for a bunch of years in the majors. The best was Lefty Grove, uh, followed by Chipper Jones, Johnny Mize, who wore it for six seasons, Ron Santo, Andre Dawson, Gary Sheffield, who wore it during the 1990s, Ron Say, who wore it for most of his career, Tommy Bridges, Miguel Tejada wore it for a few years, Rusty Staub, Phil Rizzuto, Jim Sunberg, those are a bunch of the the top guys to have done it, quite a few good names. I think as the number of podcasts we do gets higher, the number of players to wear those numbers is going to get fewer, and it will be interesting to see who who the best players are. We have an added sponsor for the Hyatt Sets podcast, and that is Out of the Park Baseball. I'll tell you a little, bo- little bit more about that later on, but in our first segment today, Dalton, Dan, and I are discussing Out of the Park Baseball software, as well as a little bit about some other software. We're going to give you a really fair and detailed review of it, and the fact that they're sponsoring us does not mean that uh, we're going to just tell you all the great things about it. You're going to hear a bunch of good things, some bad things, a pretty fair review, I think, give you a sense of whether the software is something that you might enjoy or not. Uh, And if you like the idea of it and want to go ahead and buy either the existing 2013 version or pre-order the 2014 version, uh, I'll give instructions on how to do that. It will help us out if you buy that software, but it's entirely up to you, and that's why we're giving you the information. After that short segment is our High Heat Lunch that we had last week. Adam, Dan Dalton, and myself met up in person for lunch. The audio is not the best because we were sitting near a fountain outside, but I did the best I could to sort of clean it up and make it uh, as audible as possible. You might not catch every little thing that is said. Uh, I would suggest you just kind of put it on, maybe eat your lunch and hear what you hear and enjoy it. And I think that's it. Uh, like I said, I'll be back a little bit later with instructions on how you can buy the Out of the Park software if you're interested in it. And uh, until then, enjoy. Dalton and Dan um, want to just give me a few comments on Out of the Park, uh, the software. Can we just talk about it briefly? Sure. Um, What's your experience been, Dan? What have you used? And you can be totally honest in this. I'm not asking you to be a sales pitch. Okay, so I can I can say I can say good and bad then. Just say whatever you want. Yeah, I mean I think it's a really fun game. Um, like I told you via email, I only play it on my iPhone. I have the 2012 version. I like, I, you know, the, it comes with three historical replays, and I'm kind of like Adam in that respect, so I've, I've 
I started with a 24 St. Louis Browns because I like Urban Shocker. And I started with a 69 Seattle Pilots because they became the, the Milwaukee Brewers. Although I was disappointed that they didn't move. We, they stayed in Seattle. I thought that they would move automatically. <laughs> but, but anyway, um, you know, I, I, I like it. It's a really fun game. I like, you know, I like being able to, 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 to start out, um, with a team that's based on real players and then over time they become fictitious players. Uh, I play pretty much primarily as the GM and let the, uh, the games just, you know, play weeks at a time or whatever. You know, I don't, I don't bother to manage the team during the games, which honestly I thought I was, I wanted to do that. I thought that that's what I would do in the first place that I'd like to manage to do the in-game strategy, but it just takes so freaking long to do that that I decided that it was funner just to try to play GM. The thing- and so in that case, do you set rules for how the the team plays out games, or, you, or is it just all automated? Yeah, you, you, you establish certain, um, there's certain parameters that you can establish uh, what your preferences are for certain strategies. So you can say, like, like it's like a, um, like a, like a, like a, a bar that you drag, it starts out in the middle and you say like, but more or less than average or, or, you know, so you can, you can, you can basically say, I don't want to, I don't want my team to bunt very much or I don't want my team to hit and run very much or I don't want them to steal very much, that kind of thing. Or I want them to bunt a lot. I want them to hit and run a lot, you know, that kind of thing. And, um, you can also, you also have the option to set your, set your lineups in your depth chart depth charts rather than have them than have the computer do that so you can kind of be the gm but also you can be the gm who's a micromanager so to speak you know who tells them right. tells the manager what to do before the game but then doesn't tell them what to do during the game um so i kind of fluctuate between that i mean basically if i don't like what the manager is doing then i kind of take over for him but i don't i don't run the in-game strat- strategy much at all um except maybe like in the in the playoffs i might I might simulate the game till like the late innings, and then if it's close, then I might play it strategy-wise. So it's a it's a fun game, and it's you know it's a really good, it's it's the best baseball simulation game that I've played since Stratomatic. Hmm. And, I, and I haven't played a ton of them, but I've tried a, I've tried a couple of them and been a little frustrated with them. Interesting. So I definitely I definitely do like this. Um, it the thing my my beef is it's too easy. And I bet you Dalton will agree with me there. Um, but basically, I took a, an expansion team and made them into a World Series champion in, in their fourth year of existence. I, you know, I took the 24 Browns, and they were, I think we won a World Series in our fourth year of existence. Which And so how, what are the mechanisms by which it was easy? By acquiring other players or...? or? Yeah, actually, the, 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 the team's budget increases every year and for both of them it got it got to the point where i can't even i can't even spend my entire payroll so i i can i can get every top free agent that's on the market if i want to um i i've had like unbelievable depth on some of my teams and then you know had players tell me they were unhappy and then just you know figure out a way to get rid of them um, but yeah the but the budget seemed like it increased too much so that my I didn't have any I, I was like the Yankees I could sign anybody I wanted 
And I th- and I think I've you know want, with the Browns team I've sinned it through 50, 1953, so that's like thirty years. And I think I've won like maybe not quite twenty World Series, but pretty close to it. Um, I'm surprised you can't change that parameter. Um, well, I mean, you can kind of do it yourself. I mean, I, I've I've tried to tell myself, okay, my you know, the game says that my payroll cap, it, you know, is this, but I'm going to cap it at this. But honestly, it doesn't really much matter. I, I would pretty much stop when I felt like my team was good enough to win the World Series, you know, or to to well, we know that's a bit of a crapshoot, but when my team was good enough to probably win the pennant, which obviously gives us a shot to win the World Series. The other, the other thing is sometimes sometimes they let you totally rape them with trades. Seriously. Like <laughs> some of these trades that I've been, that I'm like, what? <laughs> and and I've and I and I've decided like I'm not gonna I'm not gonna take that trade because it's just ridiculous. I don't know I don't know why they're letting me do this. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. So do you you just like pull out your phone when you have a couple minutes, just pick it up and play a little bit, and then just put it away when that that kind of thing? Yeah, I haven't played in a while. I, I've gone in these major spurts where I've been totally addicted to it, and uh, but and I and I've just kind of phased it. I probably haven't played in a few months now, but uh, yeah, I, I you know I take the tea to work, so that's a, that's a time that I would play a lot, and mm. you know after the kids in bed. But yeah, but but you know, occasionally, you know, in the bathroom at work and stuff like that too, you know. <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa! I don't, I don't want to hear any more about that. So, Dalton, how is that similar or different to your experience? Are you, you're also playing on the phone? Uh, yes. Uh, really. Uh, Dan, Dan really knocked it out of the park with his uh, description, but no pun uh, intended. Oh, pun of course intended. Come on, no. let's be real here. But uh, <laughs> but yeah, everything Dan says is pretty much true. Uh, although yeah. My, the, I guess the, uh, the file that I put the most time into was taking, and again, this is the, uh, mobile version, uh, also the 2012 one, so the same one Dan has. Actually, I was convinced to get it by, uh, Dan, uh, I think Adam and, and Jonathan Mitchell. Um, and so I, I started with the Rays in 2012, and it was, it was, Fun, go, you know, going through seeing the arcs of you know these young players' careers. Matt Moore ended up as a Hall of Famer. Then again, Michael Young did too, so I'm a little concerned about that. <laughs> but uh, it is easy, except when you're the Rays and get and have a payroll that as soon as it hits a certain mark, it stops increasing. Even you know whether you go 68-94 or uh, my best year, I went I think 113 and 49. Uh, and it, it is, once, once you get a hang of it and, you know, you know, learn the way things go, especially when it comes to grooming young players, cause you can, you know, they give you, you know, like what level they're at now, what potential they'll reach, uh, or likely will reach. And, you know, if you do things wisely with that, then you'll probably be able to do pretty well. I've also played the desktop version. Now I haven't played, uh, that in a long time. I think it was, Maybe I had the version that was maybe came out six years ago. Uh, memory is a little fuzzy, but I think about six years ago or so. And again, not uh, very different from the phone version, except that, you know, obviously since it can run on a computer rather than, you know, just a cell phone, 
there's way way more data at hand. Uh, the stats are, I think, at a little more in depth. Actually, quite quite a bit more in depth, and you're allowed to play a ton uh, more of the historical seasons. I I I do really enjoy it, and it's something that, um, like Dan said, there have been times where you know I just, it, you know couldn't put the thing down, but uh, I haven't haven't played it in a while. But it's 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 fun, you know. And uh, but uh, I'm trying to because I I got it when it was when it was on sale. I I, I can justify spending, I think, for the the mobile version, but for the desktop one, uh, and don't get me wrong, there's a a ton of stuff there. You you could be entertained for an entire you know season, you know more, uh, and that's in 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 real MLB time. But it's it's one of those things with a lot of uh, video games where it's hard to justify buying them year after year because the changes aren't that great. Really, in in the games, you're getting, I guess, you know, updated player attributes and and you know some new young players into the mix, but year to year, it's not a huge thing. So I'd say maybe you know, uh, every for the desktop one at least, getting it every maybe four years or so, I think would be a a good investment because then they've had time to to change things. But I love uh, I love the mobile version, the I guess I O O T P 2012. That and uh, the old uh, MVP Baseball 2005 for, I guess, uh, whatever system, like a PlayStation 2, are, in my opinion, like the best uh, the best baseball video games or simulation, whatever you want to call it, uh, out there. It's interesting. The, the guys over there at Out of the Park were gracious enough to give me a free copy. Uh, and I've, I have never played a baseball simulation game in my entire life. Uh, ever, not Stratomatic, nothing, uh, which always amazes people when I say that. And you were kind of a late bloomer when it comes to baseball, though, weren't you? That's true. That's true. Um, and I was amazed sitting down to play it by a couple of things. One, how straightforward it was to play. I didn't watch any tutorial. I didn't. They, they, have, they have like a tutorial video or a series of tutorial videos. They have a manual. I did not look at either one of them at all. I just started playing as the 1998 Yankees, and I was amazed at how easy it was. And like I had to hunt around for the controls a little bit, but I generally got a good sense of what was going on. But the other thing I was amazed at was how frustrated I became really quickly because there were so many things to do. The game has like a bazillion million options, probably more than what you guys have ever seen right. uh, on the mobile versions or on the older desktop version that Dalton has seen. And it um, it overwhelmed me in the sense that I do not like having that degree of control and decision-making authority, certainly not for a game that I'm playing. I agree. Like, I don't want to have to set the, the price of beer or whatever the hell it is, right? Yeah, but the thing that I found was that I started the season, and so it started on January 1st, and it was just like endless trade proposals uh, and and endless things about like players sending me bitching messages <laughs> for playing time, and I was like, and I was like, man, I'm not even into playing the games yet. Now I know that you can, as you described, Dan, you can 
pare back your level of responsibility and automate certain things. I couldn't quite figure out how to do it, and I didn't really have time to dig into it any further. Um, the interface, though, was awesome, and, and you're right, Dalton. The amount of data that's there is absolutely incredible. I mean, they were just giving me the data from, like, on my roster of their historical data and all that because we hadn't started the season yet. Um, I got as far as getting into spring training and playing a couple games, and then I had to go do something, and I had to, I had to give up on it. But it looks like it would be a lot of fun. It looks like one of those things I'm a little bit afraid to try more because I'm afraid that I will really like it and and then suddenly lose all my free time. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Anyway, well, I should have said something out of out of full disclosure. Out of the park baseball yeah. just unfollowed me on Twitter. Really? But I, was, but, but I was still pretty nice to them about about it. When did that happen? <laughs> uh, I don't know, like last week or something like that. But you know, it's one of those things where I've seen I've seen accounts do this. I'm surprised out of the park baseball even followed me on Twitter to tell you the truth. But where like they have ten thousand followers and they follow ten thousand people and they build up a follower list and then all of a sudden they just wean it all down. But they just stop following everybody. Hmm. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. I don't like they. They got. The, they get. They got. Like they get. They, get, they do it to get followbacks. They, they right? do it to get followbacks, and then eventually, and then they drop all those and they, and they follow another ten thousand people or whatever. Something like that. Something yeah. like that. Yeah. So, but anyway. But it's it's fun. But it's you know if you had asked me, Andy, you know a couple of days ago, you know if I played or anyone else, I know, and. I guess maybe it's just people my age, but without, you know, a great graphics engine, people, yeah. people don't really seem to be interested. They think, they, you know, I, they probably view it as just like the next level above looking at Excel spreadsheets, which is one of my favorite pastimes, don't get me wrong. But, um, <laughs> no, seriously. Yeah, you're right. I mean, it's not, the game is not geared towards, you know, young 20-somethings for sure. It's definitely geared much more towards, my generation and Dan's generation, and also the generation older than us. Yeah, for, I mean, for years I wanted to find a computer game that was, you know, like playing Stratomatic baseball, and um, and like I said, I did I did find a couple that were okay, but you know, the, the PlayStation would have something or you know whatever the hell it was called, and I'd be like, I don't want to freaking control the players. That's not what I want to do. I want to manage the team. Did you ever try a uh, baseball mogul? You ever try that one? Yeah, I have that on uh, on a on my uh, old desktop computer that uh, that I never use anymore. But yeah, I have that. I, I I I found that to be better than the one I had before that, which I don't remember what it's called. I think it was called something like High Heat something. Yeah, <laughs> High Heat baseball. Now, yeah, there definitely was. Now a that game I think about it, by that name, uh, that that I game was, was pretty. That game was pretty mediocre at best. Um, baseball mogul is pretty good, but eh, eh, there were things about it that frustrated me too. But you, 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 you played it, Dalton? Uh, I have, uh, but I, I, yeah, I think Out of the Park is really, uh, is really where it's at with, with that. All right, so there you have it. The High Heat Stats assessment of Out of the Park Baseball. It sounds like it's a pretty cool game, uh, especially if you're someone who really likes to get down and dirty and control all sorts of things. 
Uh, I think it appeals to those who really want to play as a manager and control in-game strategy, or those who just want to play as GM, or even those people who just sort of want to sit back and make some changes to the league and then see what happens uh, in those situations. So if you're interested in buying this software, uh, the easiest way to do it is to go to our website, highheatstats.com, and you will see on the right sidebar uh, an ad for Out of the Park Baseball. You can't miss it. It has OOTP in big letters. And if you click on that picture or the, or the Add to Cart uh, that's right below that picture, um, you can pre-order the Out of the Park 14, uh, which is coming out in April of 2014, I believe. Um, for a lower price, you can actually get right now the existing Out of the Park Baseball 13 version, and I have a link to that just underneath the Add to Cart uh, button. You can follow that one, and it will direct you to that product. Um, the prices are great, and like I said, it does really help us out if you buy the software through these links. Um, entirely up to you if it's something that appeals to you. So um, hang on here, and we're going to get you right over to our high heat lunch. So go ahead and uh, put your sandwich in the microwave and uh, come back and join us. Again, I apologize for the audio. Um, it just is what it is, and I hope you enjoy it nevertheless. I wanted to ask you guys about your um, your intentions as a baseball writer or participant on Twitter or on other websites or basically anything that you do or on your own websites, what your intentions are as a baseball writer. I'd, let me lead off and talk about my own a little bit, just so you know what I'm sort of getting at. You guys have seen enough of my stuff to know that I'm not like the most brilliant baseball mind out there. I don't do a lot of innovation. I don't really understand a lot of the things that you guys understand at great depth and detail, but what I try to do is make some of the more advanced stats accessible to the more average fan, give them a better understanding of why RBI don't matter so much or individual wins and losses, try to sort of bring up the middle, if you will. Um, I'm not appealing to like the fringe fans or people who really don't want to think about it at all. And I'm not really appealing to the high-level stats fans who already know everything I'm saying in their sleep. I sort of position myself there, and that's my goal um, as a writer, to reach those people and help get them thinking a little more critically about the game. Do you guys have missions or goals like that in your writing? I'd say that I, I'm kind of in line with what you're with what you're saying. Like the last piece that I wrote for USA Today, I tried to write it in a way that people with a lower to medium level of understanding could could get and try to understand what war is, you know, the, you know or what war is trying to do without actually having to really worry about how you calculate war, because Adam already covered that. Of course, we don't know for sure that they're all they're reading every article, but they should still, there should be, still be some progression. But, but yeah, I don't have any aspirations to be a high-level table matrician. 
Um, I think if I had the time, I might be able to become more of an expert than I am, but I don't consider myself a real super expert either. So I, I think yeah, I think I just want to, I don't know that my goal is to educate people or what have you, but my goal, like when I want to write something, is to, is to be able to write, is to be able to make a case for somebody that maybe it was the advanced metrics that convinced me, but be able to make a case that somebody that's not interested in the advanced metrics might still be able to understand. Yeah? Yeah, and I'll follow up with that. I mean, a good example of what I try to do, I mean, war, yeah, war definitely changed how I approach writing about the game. Not really, like, how I approach War changes a lot of things. Yeah, everything, everything That's changed. a profound effect on the economy. But, uh, I mean, basically war spitting out a number for every single player in history, and that's really interesting. And there's, that's going to lead to some surprising results. And I like to figure out why some of them are surprising and just kind of share what I find there. Like the like Rick Russell piece, why is he so good? You know, a lot of it's defense. And a lot of it's just similar to Blylevin in the respect that just look at his raw numbers and he's better than you think. But uh, like a good example is the, the Jimmy Wynn thing today. He's the all-time leader in runs above average based on hitting into errors. And that's not anything that's going to show up in batting average. And uh, Dr. Doom actually had a nice comment on that post. He said, you know, I, I assume this was going to be guys that ran really fast, but these are just guys that hit the ball hard. And that makes a lot more sense because they're going right at someone, it's hitting their glove, but it's so hard they're not catching it, and that's leading to errors. So, it's, you know, it just exposes flaws in the error awarding system, or, yeah, whatever you want to call it. And it just shows another way that a player doesn't have something very valuable showing up in their batting average. Where is Jeter on that? He's right. He's second all the time. Yeah. But because in his but, case, he could hit ground balls rather than fly balls, and that's more likely to lead to errors. And that, and that's not necessarily a skill, but it has a value. Right. Right. I mean, it's better to hit a ground ball. I mean, well, if you're not hitting it out of the park, I guess it's better to hit a, hit a ground ball than it is to hit a fly ball. Right. right. That's actually funny. Raffi and I, all the years I've known him, only ever had one argument. And it was when I said to him, I can't remember, we were talking about reaching on error, and I talked about how often I saw errors on Jeter ground balls because he ran so hard that it would make defenders rush. Right. And that, you know, they would, they would run in on the ball, you know, they, they take steps in rather than wait back on the ball, or they'd rush their throws or something and cause errors. And I said, I'm sure that if you looked at it, um, he induced a lot of errors, and he said, "Oh, you're having observation bias and all that," which is, was reasonable because I didn't have any evidence. But then he looked it up, and he, at the time he was number one in active in terms of uh, number of reaches on errors. Mm-hmm. So I'm not surprised to hear he's, he's up there. So, like, can you talk? Sorry, can you talk about all the stats? I'm like, is it your hobby or your goal, or is it? Is it just your hobby, or is there a specific goal, reason why you're doing it? I mean, it's a hobby, and I noticed that a lot of other people are interested in it, so I wanted to make it into something a little bit more formal. And there, there was a lot of research that I wanted to do, so that's why I hooked up with a couple of friends and actually built out the site, so I can actually publish more things, because I have more capabilities. 
and it's it's totally a hobby. It's not. I don't have these grand plans to you know sell the Hall of Stabs or anything like that. The thing that annoys me, not about the Hall of Stabs, but around the Hall of Stabs, is that it's something that everybody should be looking at, but I can't get the average fan interested in it because they don't get it right away. Right? They they only like something where they can open up the screen and immediately understand it because it says batting average and RBI and whatever. I mean, they don't see that when they go to the Hall of Fame because the average the average fan is turned off. And it, it's sort of like what I always say about the Daily Show with John Stewart. My problem with that show is it's really well done, but unless you're a liberal, you're not going to tune in. And so the show is preaching to the choir, right? Only the people who already think that way are going to watch the show. You're not going to find a conservative Republican tuning into the Daily Show to be like, hmm, let me get a fair and balanced assessment by the other side of what's going on, because they would rather punch their TV than watch than watch that. And that's but sort of the thing about the Hall of Sets. It's so good, but I feel like I wish more average people would migrate to it. I think you can, I think you can appreciate war by reading up a little bit on it and understanding how it works and then trusting that the numbers are produced by people that are statisticians and that it all kind of makes sense. Like you said, the positional adjustment is the only part of it that's not intuitive, meaning everything else is intuitive. And it, and it kind of is intuitive if you just spend a little bit of time trying to, trying to understand what goes into it and what the, and what the rationale for it. In fact, when I wrote that, that last piece of paper today, my dad said to me, am I going to be able to understand it? And I said, I think you'll be able to understand it if you actually try, <laughs> as opposed to just be like, ah, I don't know what you're talking about, I just missed it. And, you know, Sully kind of spoke to this on your last podcast, right, right. and I, I, I accept what he said as a reasonable assessment, but I think you know, that he was stopping because he can't figure out how to calculate it. And maybe that's just the kind of person he is. If he can't figure out how to, how to make something work, then he doesn't want any part of it. But I don't know that you have to know how to calculate it in order to, in order to believe in it, at least to some extent. I, I'm, I'm torn on that issue. I think you at least need to have a pretty good understanding of the framework, which is my favorite word now. <laughs> right. Um, I think you need to have a pretty good understanding of it. You don't necessarily have to be able to say exactly where the decimal point, where did we carry the one and all the rest of that to get to that number. But you have to have a pretty good understanding. And I think a guy like Sully, I don't think he necessarily knows or cares to know even what the individual components are. And therefore, it's too much faith for him to... But he obviously knows a lot about baseball, so he knows enough to say say that, okay, runs from batting for Chris Davis. That's one of the highest numbers in in baseball. Okay, that makes sense because he's having a pretty great year, you know, and then runs from from fielding. This guy's a little bit below average. Okay, that should should drag him down a little bit. I mean, those kinds of things are intuitive, but I guess it's a tweet his own thing. I mean, we don't know. I don't know. Do you know how to calculate how to how to get a, a batter's runs from batting? Nope. Of course not. I mean, because that's 
I mean, I, I don't know that that's out there for anyone to know. Yeah, I, know I, I, know I have read it. I have read yeah. it. I think it's on baseball it reference somewhere, right? Yeah, it all is. How to, how to convert, oh, well, okay, how to convert uh, Woba or whatever to, to run some batting, basically. Yeah, I couldn't do it, but I generally know the process to determine it. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, Dalton, what about you? Do you have goals or intentions as a writer? I think I'm coming from the same place again as the most part here. I, I, I like using the advanced metrics when it comes to the players that I had either been told were not great and that are actually pretty good, like Jimmy Wynn, um, or you know maybe saying that Sandy Koufax is not the greatest pitcher that's ever played the game of baseball, ever. But... I think we both come from the same place where I like to use them in what I write, not necessarily have them dominate the piece, just sort of, you know, color what I'm saying. Because I, I could go heavy metrics in every article, but no one really wants to read that. And the people, like, or the people who do, it's a, it's a fairly small group. With the community of high heat stats, I mean, they're, you know, they're not, you know, math geeks, but they're, they're smart people for the most part. And, you know. Well, I said a lot of them are math geeks. <laughs> Some, certainly, but the thing is, I mean, I wouldn't say that's the, the majority, at least. And I think I'm, you know, trying to write, not necessarily for, for the everyman, but I'm trying to use stats to describe something in a way that maybe, you know, the traditional metrics wouldn't necessarily do. I think they're just, you know, as complements to the piece itself. Yeah, interesting. The USA Today... Um, thing that we've been doing here, I think is in many ways my sweet spot, because it's trying to speak to the masses who are interested enough to subscribe to a sports newspaper, um, but, but you know, or maybe not reading high stats or some other kind of more advanced stats blog. But it's interesting, you guys have all done it, so you know it's hard to write for that audience hard to think about how to pitch and how to say it in a few hundred words and you don't have unlimited space. I don't know. But the thing with the USA Today thing is that what we're doing, I think, is great taking a stat that's, you know, various levels of being advanced and trying to explain it to your average baseball fan who's only used to the traditional numbers. But I'm trying to think of where we're going to go from that point because there's only a certain amount of advanced metrics out there mm-hmm. that are explainable in 300 words. Right, and we've already digressed from that, diverged from that, I should say, um, to a large degree. And when we expanded the, the size, we're moving more into the fantasy type stats. Which, interestingly, I found, I found really annoying at first. And I told the editor, I said, listen, if this is what you want, I'll do it, but I don't think there's a lot of value in these numbers. You know, hitters who have been the hottest in the last two weeks or whatever, but the more I've looked at that, the more I find an interesting way of tracking tracking things. I think that the hope was there from him that I could somehow magically tell him, oh, because, uh, you know, because um, the Blue Jays are going on the road against the Red Sox next week, uh, and because it's the first week of September, um, now is the time to finally pick up Jose Bautista because I'm sure he's going to hit eight home runs next week. And, you know, I tried telling him it just doesn't work like that. At the best, you can make a mild, educated guess of a trend. 
Well, I would say if the pizza is uh, available and healthy, then that counts. Right. Maybe not the best example because he's a more high-profile player. Somebody a little bit lower and might be more available. Anyway, that was all I wanted to ask you guys. I was just curious to get your take on what your perspective is. I, um, I struggled with that for a long time. And I struggled on baseball reference for five years, sort of feeling like I was doing the same sorts of things over and over again, on the same post over and over again, and never really knowing if I had one foot in the... I, I sort of felt like I had one foot in the advanced baseball stats, but the other foot in the really non-advanced common thinking. And on Twitter, I seem to have found a more comfortable spot for me where I can sort of speak to a lot of people across different different genres. I don't know. And it really shows in your follow up doesn't it? I, I've learned why, not to talk about account? my follower account. <laughs> what did you say? I said, why? What's his follower account? No. I'm not supposed to talk about that. Sorry. Couldn't possibly comment. No, I think the key is, I mean, you have a job. Baseball something that you do outside of your job. And the key there is just as long as you make it interesting to yourself, it's probably going to be interesting to at least some other people. And really just do it for yourself. I mean, that's kind of what, what I do. And I've been lucky in that I've found a bunch of people that are interested in it. Uh, many of them happen to be pretty local, and we get to hang out and have lunch. Good lunch, Chipotle. And uh, Andy pays for it. And uh, free burritos are the best. Chipotle should sponsor this guy. <laughs> I've tried so hard to get Pino Chews to sponsor me. Oh. Have, you, have you seen this? I have seen this. Yeah. I love Pino Chews. And, and I'm always tweeting about how much I love them. And I keep saying, oh, you can sponsor. Whatever. Never get, no, I never get any response from them. All right. There you have it. Thanks very much to the team and to Out of the Park Baseball for sponsoring us. And uh, I'll keep this short and sweet. Be lucky. I have some very bad news. <laughs> What's that? Brian just emailed me <laughs> that he wants a joke about Dalton not in the final cut. <laughs> not, even in, not even in the bloopers? Yeah, he's worried. Uh... he's worried that it will be misinterpreted, which I totally get. Brian's a, Brian's a raging misanthropist or something. I, so I will probably be sticking in this conversation about Out of the Park into some other podcast. I'm not sure where, but I'll stick it in someplace. That's what um, happened. <laughs> yeah. Kevin Young has been mentioned on, uh, on the trivia way more than he should.